Gratitude That's my everyday All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Quantum Coffee. Got a really cool guest today. His name is Taj Deshan. Connected with him probably about a year ago um, through this this thing called the internet, I guess. Uh, But we both are aligned uh, with this mission of really helping the transitioning athletes. Uh, He's more focused on collegiate athletes, trying to help them find purpose and direction and meaning meaning outside of sports. Um, and obviously, you know, with what I'm working on with the Heart Collective, which is uh, exclusively for former male professional athletes. Uh, but we've really connected over that same drive and same passion. I was actually on his podcast uh, a couple months ago and we started talking a little bit about spirituality. Of course, uh, talking to me, I just can't help myself because uh, I truly believe we are not humans who have spiritual experiences, but we are spirits who are having human experiences. And when I learned that, that really changed everything. So inherently everything is spiritual. Just to get that out of the way, excuse me. So I started bringing that stuff up on his podcast and he was just really vibing with it and uh, really opened up a lot of a deeper conversation than I think uh, he normally has on his podcast. And I thought it'd be cool to get him on the podcast to really share his perspective on uh, some of these unanswerable questions of the universe Um, and it really was amazing. I was actually quite surprised how deep we went and, uh, in a good way. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, the transition, uh, that athletes face the challenges that, that, that face an athlete during the transition process, um, you know, and how that relates to all this, it's kind of an ego death and retelling ourselves a story of who we are. And so he's got an interesting perspective. He just got off, uh, I think a month or two ago, doing a little psychedelic journey, which we talk about in the show, uh, which is really cool. Um, Having a deeper experience of God. I don't even know if using the word God is right because it's just a deeper knowing of something greater than yourself. Um, What you label it, I don't think really matters at this point. Um, But I know this conversation is great. I know you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, But first, let me go ahead and plug a couple things. Uh, First off, uh, Love and Life podcast. My new podcast, me and my wife's new podcast, Sarah, uh, launches very soon. I think it will be live by the time this podcast comes out. Um, So go check it out. It's Love and Life, L-O-V-E-N-L-I-F-E. And if you want to learn more, go to loveandlifepodcast.com. Sign up with your email to receive premium content and the trailer's going out and the first season will go live very soon. Um, And that's just a sneak peek into our lives and uh, how we met and our businesses that we're creating and how we consciously relate and the stories that we're working through together and the partnership and the sacred union and how we got married. And now we have a baby boy on the way. And that's pretty much the whole first season. So I don't think you even really need to listen to it at this point because I just gave it all away. Um, but no, just kidding. Go ahead and check it out. Um, that's freedom barking because the mailman just came and she doesn't like people coming up in my business. Uh, also, if you are looking for remote work, if you're a, a small to medium sized business looking to hire fully remote professionals, uh, and take your uh, company fully remote, or if you already are fully remote, or if you're, uh, looking for work as an employee, Go check out growmotely.com. It is what my wife has been building and working on for uh, over a year now, 
she's launching, the tech is developed, and it is really cool just being able to be on this journey with her and witnessing her and how she's showing up. I learned so much from her each and every day. She's an amazing leader. And I'm just so grateful that I get to go on this journey with her of, of building this really badass business that's really going to have a huge impact on the world. And, uh, you know, me and her, our uh, highest ideal is freedom and creating the life that we want to live. And she's building a platform, a job platform that is going to provide that opportunity to a lot of people. And if you're somebody that wants to have more space, more freedom, create the life that you want to live, travel, um, work your own hours, find a company that aligns with you, go check out what she's working on, growmotely.com. And uh, last thing I'm going to plug is myself. I talked about it a little bit. I talk about it on the show. If you are a former professional athlete looking for a community of guys who can support you, who know what you're going through, who know how to find success outside of sports, then check out theheartcollective.com. It's theheartcollective.com. That's H-A-R-T, theheartcollective.com. And if you don't already, follow my newsletter. It is uh, posted in the show notes. Um, I put out uh, some, some nice content there. I am getting away from being as active on uh, social media, um, specifically Instagram. I am tired of getting lost in the rabbit hole. Um, and I feel like it's really taking a lot of energy away from me. I will check my messages occasionally there uh, in case anybody's reaching out. But if you want to follow me and get in contact with me, the best way is through my newsletter, send me a direct email and I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you think of this podcast. Um, the momentum's building, um, getting, getting the wider reach. And it's all thanks to those of you that have been listening since the beginning. I really appreciate your support. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. I can, I can feel my growth in this kind of medium. It's very much more impactful uh, for me personally. And I think for you, the listener, because you get to hear a little bit more intimate conversations. Um, I just love the podcasting format. So appreciate all the support, all the love. Um, if you like this podcast, please leave a review, rate it, share it with your friends. It goes a long way in helping me make the show grow and reach a wider audience. I really think, you know, positive, uh, messages and conversations about the unanswerable questions. I think a lot of people can, uh, really gather a lot of value from that. I know I have, uh, it's all about perspective and shifting your perspective, widening your perspective and learning to love it all. That's what it's all about. All right. Without further ado, here is Taj, Deshaun. Enjoy the conversation. All right, Taj. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing great, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super stoked to, to have this conversation with you and dive into the deeper unanswerable questions of the universe, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I love getting other people's perspectives on this kind of thing. I think, you know, it's, I think it's so fascinating how so many people get lost in their stories in this reality and they get so stressed and anxious and, um, you know, it's really about questioning where those stories come from, where those triggers come from and, and really trying to understand for me, it's like asking this a simple question of like, where do we come from and why are we even here? And I love that. That's where it kind of all stems from. Um, but let's give the listeners a little intro in who you are, a little background, um, you know, kind of, you can highlight whatever you want, but go ahead and bring us up to speed on who Taj Deshaun is. Awesome, man. You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys. I don't like talking too much about myself. Pretty humble. 
Uh, I'm definitely someone who was lost in my story for quite some time, like you said, Joe. But I'm a former college football player, played at Stony Brook University. I'm now an athlete career transition coach. I work with former collegiate athletes, some professional, just helping them map out the next stages of their lives, man. Uh, have a podcast called Thrive After Sports. Recently released a book called Thrive After Sports. And um, I'm in a phase. This is this is perfect timing for this, Joe, because that's my backstory. And now I'm in a, a process of having a rebirth, man, and becoming someone new. Still doing the same thing, still serving the same group. But I'm in a process of reinventing myself and discovering what is my next frontier? You know, who can I serve next? How can I keep continuing to grow and learn? And uh, it's exciting to be here, man, because I told you, shameless plug for anybody listening. Uh, I interviewed Joe on my podcast, Thrive After Sports. Go check it out. It's like episode 84. And we were there to talk about athlete transition, but we got into some pretty heavy topics there towards the end. And that's what led to this. And uh, I've become yep. a fan of the show, man. So I'm excited to dive into some of these topics with you. Cool, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, you said you're having sort of a rebirth. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and what that means? So I'm someone who's a seeker, right? I've, I've been a seeker. Um, you know, ever since I, I was going through the, and you've talked about this on your other podcast, but when I was sort of letting go of the identity of being Taj, the football player, I was kind of left with a blank slate. You know, I thought I wanted to do music for a while. Um, and that's led to a few different things, but I found, I found fulfillment. I found a sense of uh, being able to serve, being a contribution through helping guys like you and I and women, you know, I help female athletes as well. Um, and now I've been at that for three years. And it's funny because when I first started out, no one wanted to work with me, right? You know, you know how it is. You're starting out, you're putting yourself out there. Hey, I work with transitioning athletes. Okay, great, right? And it takes some time to build that up. So over the past three years, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm successful now. You know, people want to talk to me. Uh, people want to work with me. I have more clients that I could even take on. There's not enough time in the day. And I've sort of reached that, you know, Mount Everest that I set for myself three years ago. And now that I'm here, it's like, hmm, well, what am I going to do next? Who do I want to become? And so I'm constantly staying in the inquiry of that. And like we were saying before we started recording, man, um, there's a bunch of different tools, medicines, if you will, that can help you take a deeper dive into that. And I'm someone, if that, if there's something that's going to help me go deeper or be more introspective with my inner work, then I'm someone who, who gravitates towards that. Um, you know, I, I tried shrooms for the first time in college and uh, have tried to make sure that I was doing that at least every year just to kind of have that mental reset. And uh, recently, a couple of Saturdays ago, I did DMT for the first time, which needless to say, completely blew my mind. So I'm still trying to process everything that happened from that experience, Joe. It was... Uh, I know you yeah, have some experience in all. that realm too. Yeah, aren't we all? Yeah, we'll definitely dive into that. I want to hear more about your, your psychedelic experiences and, and how you kind of got involved in that because it's absolutely been a huge part of my journey of understanding myself on the deeper and deeper levels, right? And kind of working through the stories and getting back to, you know, we're super aligned on helping the transitioning athlete. It's a company I'm starting with, the Heart Collective, focused on more of the professional athletes um, and male professional athletes. And, you know, you're, you're, you're working a lot with collegiate athletes um, and some pros, I'm assuming as well. Uh, but, you know, what I've come to find too is, is it's such a, the transition out of sports is you're, you're faced, it's a very vulnerable place to be. You're faced with questioning your identity, right? Like you, you're going to have to be faced with this idea of, okay, this is who I was before. 
and it is no longer a part of my life. So who am I without this thing now? And that is a form of rebirth. That is a form of ego death. There is this, you know, all the ego is, is a construct, a construct, a story of who you think you are in relation to the world and how you show up. And so when that such a big part of you and something you've worked your entire life for is all of a sudden gone, a piece of your story is dying. And you have to, and I think this is the part where, you know, coaching guys through that transition, there is an aspect of diving deeper into the self and who are you on the deeper level without this thing? That thing has always been there. It's part of the reason you got to be so successful in your career as an athlete. And how do we focus on that? And there is this, this idea of having to let go of that too, and being able to integrate those experiences. And it is a very, you know, talking about, we'll talk about psychedelic experiences as well, because it's a very similar kind of microcosm to this thing that reality kind of brings us is we're constantly in transition and we're constantly having to die to old ways of being and figure out who we are without those things. So talk about, you know, your experience with athletes and transitioning and how to really help guide them into understanding themselves on a, on a deeper level. Yeah. I think the first thing for me is just reminding them to be proud of their accomplishments, right? Because it's so easy, especially when you're that type A personality, you know, that go getter to be like, okay, I'm done playing. I got to figure something out. And I think a lot of us kind of scramble to attach to something, you know, just to be able to check the box and say, okay, I got a job. Or when people ask you, Hey, you're not playing football anymore. What are you doing now? And you just, you want to have something to tell them. And that's what I went through. Um, And I love the fact that you touched on it's, it's like a death, right? You're, you're one part of your identity is dying. And I definitely experienced that. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I was grieving a loss, you know, of a former self. Um, And obviously the grieving process is a lot more difficult when you have no idea what's going to come next. So as I'm working with former athletes, one of my main things is just to remind them that they're still a role model, you know, and it may sound cheesy at first. A lot of people may laugh at that when I first say it, but when I take a deeper dive, I'm, I'm saying like, look, you played your sport for X amount of years, you know, people whether it's your younger siblings or little cousins or even people older than you have been looking up to you all this time as this elite performer, they're still looking up to you. You, Whether you want to be or not, you're still a role model. You're still setting the example for what comes next. You know, like your little, your little siblings or your little cousins, they're going to grow up and they're going to play at an elite level potentially. So what is your example going to be? You know, you finish playing your sport and, uh, you know, now you work at Home Depot or something. Now there's nothing wrong with working at Home Depot, but what I'm saying is you got to be striving for something um, that is meaningful to you so that you can show what it looks like to embody a, a fulfilled life and take that. And if you can find that, you can take that same mentality that made us great in sports and apply that to whatever it is that's lighting you up these days, right? And not even just for selfish reasons, but what is it that's lighting you up, but also making a contribution to other people? Because that's where the real value comes in, right? Um, like I'm passionate about making music, but I'm not very good at it. So, you know, at least not to the point where people are going to buy my records or sell out shows. So I have to realize that's more of a passion versus something that could be a mission, um, like helping athletes, because I enjoy coaching and it also has an impact on people. So that's where I need to put all of my focus. If the, I don't even know if I answered your question, Joe, but that's just what's coming through me right now, man. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. And, you know, you said it early on when you're you're talking about, you know, your journey into questioning the deeper stories of who you are and showing up and, and wanting to show up to be of service. And one thing that's helped me in my transition, you know, and finding purpose, and it's, it's, it's a constant journey, right? It's, I think, you know, transitioning out of professional sports, it's not, 
you know, a phase that you go through. It's the rest of your life. It's a, such an aspect of who you are. And there was an aspect of me that was running away from that and being like, okay, it's going to pass. I'm going to move on and coming full circle and realizing that's something I have to integrate into who I am. It's not something I can run away from. It's not something I can just, it's going to be over in a couple of years. Like I'm going to be experiencing that for the rest of my life. So how do I integrate that as an aspect of who I am now? And for me really, and this is what I'm sharing with my guys as well is, is to really find deeper purpose and deeper meaning. It's not about a career or what you do. It's about who you are and what you want to become. And for me, a big question I asked myself that has really shifted everything is how can I be of service? And when I started asking myself that question and, and asking you know, the universe and putting that intention out there, like how can I be of service? Things just started happening and rolling towards you know, what does it feel within my body that I can really be of service to others? And I truly believe we're all connected in such an intimate way that if we start showing up, and that doesn't mean, you know, I think a lot of people come like, okay, be of service. Like I can go help a charity on the weekends. Like you can start a badass billion dollar company that is of service to, to a, has a huge impact on the world, but it's really about the intention that you're bringing behind it. So if you're figuring out, oh, how can I make some money for myself? You're going to have a real hard time trying to figure out what that is. But when you show up with the intention of how can I be of service to other, you might be doing the same thing, but you're doing it from a different place, a different intention. And that for me has felt when I show up in that way, I feel so supported by the universe, by the intelligence, by the, by whatever this experience is that is creating what we're having, you know, is, is on my side because I want to show up for something greater than myself. And in turn, I feel like I will be rewarded abundantly in the energy, you know, of money, of connections, of people, of impact. I love that, Joe. And what I'm really hearing and what you're saying is leaning into it, into those moments of being lost. Because like you said, it's not, it's not a one and done. It's not like, it's not like the only time you're going to be lost in life or, you know, lacking clarity around your direction is after you transition out of your sport. It's something that happens time and time again. You know, like I just shared, here I am three years into this journey, great things are happening. And now I'm starting to say, wait a minute, I feel like I need to recalibrate and start to really get clear on who else can I serve? How can I expand what I'm doing? And I love the fact that you touched on that because I think so many of us get caught up in, like you said, chasing money, right? That was definitely my first instinct when I was done. It's like, I got to get some money. You know, I, was, I moved back home after college. I was living with my folks and I just wanted that freedom back of being able to stand on my own two feet. And it led me down a path where basically I had to get my ass kicked in the real world, you know, chasing money and going through burnout and having the Sunday night blues and not wanting to wake up on Monday morning and go back to work to just, like you said, start to focus on how can I serve? Not, you know, not like a charity, but who's a group, what, what talents or skills, um, what abilities do I have that can benefit someone else's life? Even if I'm not getting paid for it right away. And I think the more we start to lean into that or just be still in the confusion in it all, the, the lostness of it all, that's where the answers start to, get downloaded to you so that you can tap into this new direction. And then from there, you're off to the races. So I'm in my, my downloading phase right now and I can't wait for everything to finish downloading so I can open it up, man. Open those files. Up. Yeah, I love it. It's, I mean, it's, it's heading into the unknown, right? And that's the big thing with, with transitioning from sports is like all of a sudden there's this huge unknown that you have to face and it's about getting comfortable in the unknown and being outside your comfort zone. And that's where real growth happens. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit more about your psychedelic experiences and your journey with that. Uh, you said you've done mushrooms a couple of times, um, you know, throughout college. 
And I know I've, I, when I first started in psychedelics, it was very much in like a social situation. And now I've gotten to a place where, you know, working with intention behind it and using it as a tool to access deeper parts of my unconscious, of my psyche, of the stories of who I think I am and being able to kind of peek behind the veil of where those stories even originate from and being able to, to move them and retell the story of who I want to become. And they're such powerful tools. So talk a little bit about your experience with that and how it's evolved and then up to your uh, recent experience with, with DMT. Yeah, man. The first thing I just want to point out is I love how you reference these, these uh, medicines as tools, right? Because I think there's a common misconception that you know, you're going to do mushrooms and see pink elephants or like dance around the rave music. Um, it, nothing could be further from the truth, man. It's, I didn't even know anything about them going into it. You know, I was always kind of very like straight edge because I wanted to get a football scholarship. So I never really did anything. I didn't even smoke weed until my senior year, no, junior year in high school. Um, and even then I kept it to a minimum because it's like, I don't want to let this go off the rails. Right. Um, so I get to college and there was a teammate I really love this guy. You know, I was going to school in New York. He's from California. And so he came, he became like a big brother to me. Right. And just out of the blue one day, you know, he's like, Hey Taj, a few of us are going to get together after practice and do some shrooms. Are you down? And I trusted this guy. So I'm just like, yeah, why not? I mean, I got nothing else to do. I'm just going to be, you know, in my room playing video games or whatever. So I'll do it. So we go to the house, you know, and we're sitting there watching the uh, taken, which is probably the worst movie you could, you know, <laughs> I, you don't want to be looking at Liam Neeson on shrooms. Oh, no, man. don't take me. <laughs> yeah, was, <laughs> thankfully, after that, we went outside. It, the, the experience got much better. But it's nighttime. I didn't know what to expect. You know, these are my boys. Yeah. I, I trusted my, uh, I almost said his name. I don't want, he's in the public light right now. So I want to throw his name under the bus. I don't know if he talks about this publicly. But, um, you know, we eat it off a, a peanut butter sandwich, you know, typical, you know, standard. How did that taste? It was like mushroom peanut butter sandwich, or did you guys like grind it up? Uh, no, it was like the actual caps and stems just like laid out <laughs> on a piece. On uh, peanut butter? With a bunch of peanut butter. Oh my God. Did that like just make your mouth super like... It was terrible, man. I, I was just yeah, chugging water. Not, anyone out there listening who wants to do shrooms, I did. I would not recommend that's the way you should eat them. <laughs> How do you take them? I'm curious now. How do you take them? Well, now we do... I think they call it lemon tech, but you can, I make like a little smoothie out of it. You know, especially oh. if I'm doing ceremony with other people. So you grind it up with a few berries, maybe some lemon juice, and then some ginger, which helps with the stomach and the digestion. It actually kind of hits you a little bit quicker, and it's a lot smoother and way more delicious. Man, you're putting ginger in there too, man. You're bougie, Joe. That's a bougie. Yeah, I got to get on your level, man. I gotta, yeah, I'm going to try it like that next time. Um, the last time I did it, I actually ate them with some uh, some almonds, like, a, mm. like flavored almonds, like the smokehouse, so I could at least mm -hmm. mask the flavor. Uh, but anyway, man, yeah, it was terrible. We, but I didn't know what I was doing. Any, none of us did. Really, yeah. he had done shrooms before my my older teammate. But so we ate them. We're sitting there, just waiting, watching, taking, and then the room starts to vibrate. And then we all looked at each other. We turned off the TV. We're just like, all right, let's go outside. What happened after that was, I would say, there's a version of me before this experience and a version of me afterwards. We went outside. It's nighttime, you know, in in Long Island. So there's a bunch of like woods and trees and stuff go out into the woods and um we're just like kind of running around man i'm running around touching the trees it was pitch black but we could see you know what i mean like the night vision had tapped in not necessarily because of the shrooms but i think because we were so present um and i was i remember just squatting down and playing with the grass and i was stroking my beard at the same time right and i had the epiphany like wow this grass is growing off of the earth just like my beard grows off of my face now, mm. it sounds like 
you know, a pretty simple statement, but to me in that moment, it was so profound. And I just felt the connectedness to everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been kind of struck, which we could probably get into this. I had been struggling with religion during my time in college. Cause I grew up not necessarily a devout Christian, but I was going through so much hardship that I was kind of seeking, um, peace through religion at that time. Cause I was struggling so much. Was, this, was your family religious or was this something you sought out because you were going through the struggle? So my mom is very religious. She grew up uh, Baptist. And it's funny, man, because it, it, in certain churches, especially like a Baptist church, man, it's, it's kind of stereotypical where in a black church, man, you'll see it's a party. You know, there's people running up and down the aisles and people passing out and catching the Holy Ghost. And as a mm. kid, I would see this and I always wonder, like, why isn't God affecting me in this way? I'm just like mm-hmm. sitting here half asleep waiting for us to go to breakfast after this because, you know, I'm just it never resonated with me. So yeah, that's, I grew up Christian. Um, my dad was kind of just like, go with the flow. I don't think he's really religious. Religious. I think he's more mm-hmm. like, just in case, let me believe in this just in case. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the story <laughs> all too common. Right. And that's the story that they use, you know, the, the, the fear of death, right. Where if I die, I don't want to not believe this thing because I don't want to be burned in hell and damnation for the rest of eternity. And so that's like, oh, I'll just go decide to to believe in this thing just in case I get in a car accident tomorrow and I don't want to <laughs> yeah, I'd rather go to heaven, right? And right. it kind of absolves you with the responsibility of actually seeking a deeper connection with God, whatever that means to you. Right, because all the thinking is done for you. And then like you said, just in case I get in a car accident, then you're using religion almost as like an insurance policy, which is kind of a weird right. way to go about it. Yeah, it's you from know? a place of fear rather than of connection and love, right? So, mm-hmm. so talk about how the shroom experience when you actually felt a connection to something greater than yourself, right? Because I think that's the biggest shift is like all of a sudden it's not about just me. It's about this experience of life. So talk about that shift and what kind of shifted in you during that experience. Yeah, it was, it was at that moment, like I said, when I was playing with the grass and playing with my beard that I felt the, the connectedness to everything. So from that point on, it, it started to shift my whole, like it expanded my thinking. Right. And my connectedness. And then um, I was dating a girl at the time. And I remember, you know, she was asking me how my trip was and everything. She wasn't into any of that stuff. But we got into a religious debate and I was listening to myself almost like from a third person. Like, whoa, I I didn't even know that I was thinking like this. Um, Long story short, she was trying to get me to go to church with her. And I was like, "Eh, this is my day off from practice. I'm not going to church with you. And, And then I started thinking, man, like, I just started hitting her with all these questions that she couldn't answer. I was like, well, if someone, in order to get to heaven, if you're a Christian, you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, correct? And she was like, yes. So if you don't accept that, if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord Lord and Savior, then you go to hell, technically, right? And Mm. she was like, yes. And I was like, okay, so what if, you know, we're at war with the Middle East in the time. So what if someone, some little girl, in the Middle East has never heard of Jesus, has never been exposed to it, is raised Muslim. And, you know, she dies from an explosion or something. That innocent little girl goes to hell because she never accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. That doesn't make sense to me. And then I started getting angry. Like, why would, then I started blaming God. I don't know if you went through this, but I went through like an angry phase before I started mm-hmm. having the acceptance phase. And, um, but yeah, man, I'm, long story short, the, the shrooms gave me a, a connectedness with everything. And once I was able to let go of the anger of I've been spoon fed lies or, you know, people don't really know any better. So it's not necessarily that I was lied to. It's just what they were taught by their parents and so on and so forth. Yeah. But once I got past that phase, 
Yeah, man. It, it, it just gave me the feeling because once you've experienced the connectedness, you don't need someone to tell you what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It becomes a, a, instead of a belief, it becomes a knowing like through experience. And that's why I think it doesn't really matter how you have an experience of God or connection or something greater than yourself, some intelligent of the universe, but it has to be an experiential thing of a, a deeper connection. And, you know, going back to what you said about the, the, the question you had that, that she couldn't answer is, you know, and I had this deep question too, when I was growing up in the Christian faith and it was, I could never get my head around this. And I'd always come back to it. It's like, yeah, if, you know, if I grew up in India with a completely different religion and I'm never exposed to Christianity and like, I never have been exposed, like I'm just going to go to hell. And that just didn't make sense to me. It didn't vibe with me. It's like, if God created everything, why would God create most of the population on earth with different religions that are all automatically going to hell. Like that just doesn't make sense. And then, you know, the whole thing that came out of that was usually, well, well, that's why you minister. That's why you evangelize. That's why you you have to go out and preach the good word of God to get people to convert. And it's so funny because, you know, coming full circle with my, with my beliefs, I used to have a lot of resistance to even the word God, Jesus, the Bible. And, you know, I, I am a deep seeker of truth myself. And so I went out to find these answers for myself and through a lot of different experiences, I've come to find my own truth. And psychedelics is one of those things. It's just like you said, like you have an experience of something greater than yourself, but coming full circle and finally wanting to reconnect with my parents and kind of use the terminology that they believe. And so I started diving back into the Bible, into the story of Jesus. And I've understood what God means to me. And it's not, you know, some man in the sky that is a vengeful God that, you know, thinks I'm unworthy of his love and like makes me feel shame, you know? And so, so coming full circle and diving back into the story of Jesus and understanding him without all the dogma attached around his life, I'm like, I've begun to really fall in love with this man and like what he was embodying and what he was really embodying was loving presence. And the way he healed others was through the presence and the energy that he held because he was just a pure source of loving energy and light. And that would literally heal people. And I'm all about that. Like that's really the journey that I'm on is to fully embody what Jesus was teaching. Right. And that's what, that's, I think what Jesus was here to teach. And it's so funny that we've gotten so lost into this belief. And there's, you know, thousands of years later, people believe that you need to believe that Jesus died for your sins and he's the only way to heaven in order to get to heaven. But Jesus didn't teach that. Right. It's like that that's the belief around what in mis, way wrongly misinterpreted of what Jesus was trying to teach. And people look in the Bible and they misinterpret all these different passages. Like I am the way, the truth and the light. And they take that as Jesus saying like, I am it. But in reality, if we all say that statement as if we were Jesus, like I am the way, the truth and the light, it's because he's pointing the finger back to ourselves. We are the answer through our own experience and connection to God, not something outside of ourselves. And I think that's the big mistake or problem with religion is you're putting your power and connection to God through something else. Right. And I think that's the biggest difference between religion and spirituality is religion is a belief in someone else's experience. Spirituality is a belief in, belief in your own experience mm. and that develops and creates a deep knowing that nobody can really take away from you. Right. Yeah. I, I love, I love what you just said about that, man. Um, because to your point, in religion, all the thinking is done for you. So it's almost like, well, I got all the answers. I don't have to do any any truth seeking. It's all mapped out for Mind me. There phase, it is. Right? Yeah. And uh, it's funny, man, because I've had some very friendly uh, debates, discussions, I should say, with my mom about this. 
um, where I'll tell her, you know, Jesus wasn't a Christian. I'll just say little things just to mess with her. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorites is uh, in the Bible, it says that God made us in his image. Right. And I say that it's almost we've almost flipped it to where man has tried to make God in our image. You know, mm-hmm. for example, he's a jealous God. Well, why would God, why would this thing that created everything be jealous? If he created me, why would he be jealous? Um, you know, if for whatever reason, for anything I do. And I thought that was, I always thought uh, the whole concept of God being so manlike um, kind of diminishes what this thing that connects us all, this, this greater source, these things that we can, can't even comprehend. It's diminishing it to to say it's an old white man in the sky with a beard who gets jealous and you know um, doesn't like gay people. You know, it's, it's just very the math doesn't add up, man. Yeah, and another thing too is like, why would an all knowing, all present, all loving God need to prove a point by damning his children to hell for eternity? Right. Like. Why would, why would he need to do that to, to make himself feel better? Like that just doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. It's very strange, man. I, I feel that, um, I think that it's obvious that it's created by man. And I feel like if we really look at it as we can have heaven or hell on earth, right? This whole thing about heaven and hell, I feel like is eternal or internal, excuse me. So if we can just focus on that, like, and there'll be times where you literally, you know, this is a daily thing. You know this, Joe. There's times where you might be going through your own personal hell, even if it's something small, and you literally have to claw your way out of it to put yourself back into a state of bliss and of heaven. And it's work, and it's something that goes on every single day. So I think if we can focus on it more of any any etern, internal process while we're here on this earth versus something that's going to happen after we die, then we can get the most out of this experience if we just shift our perspective on it a little bit, you know? Mm. Yeah, as within, so without, right? Mm-hmm. It's we we tend to look for our circumstances outside of ourselves to to make us feel a certain way. But the secret to the universe, the secret to all of this, is that how you feel internally is how your external world is reflected back to you. And that that's it. And so many people are like, well, this happened to me, this happened to me, or I got in this situation, or that, and it's like, are this person treating me this way? And it's like everybody's just a mirror. And it doesn't, if someone treats me a certain way, then I am so in my knowing and so in love with myself and I'm just radiating love. Like it's not going to affect me. And it used to, but the, most of those people don't act that way around me because I am within myself, ex, like kind of expanding out what the work I've done in and a story that I want to create for my reality. And that doesn't mean everything is all hunky dory. Like, you know, something challenging might come up in my life, but it's all about perspective, right? And I can look at that from a place of, okay, what's the lesson here? What can I learn rather than why is this thing happening to me, right? And it's the whole concept of, you know, the big the big awakening that I think everybody, the initial waken, an awakening that everybody goes through is life isn't happening to me, but life is happening for me. Mm-hmm. And once you can kind of make that shift, then you can start looking at life as a place to grow and to learn through the experiences that are presented. And then you can even evolve into a place of life is happening through me. And that's when you're a place in a place that you're such so deeply connected to the experience and so present that you're actually feeling like you are a part of the experience of the universe unfolding itself through you, which is a really beautiful place to be. That is a beautiful place to be, man. I, I like that. I think I, I care about uh, but you had a guest on who talked about that. And I thought that episode was so profound, man, because there really is a big difference. You know, I thought I used to think I was super deep when I would say, no, it's not happening for you. Life or life, life is not happening to you. It's happening for you. 
but there's still an element of selfishness there. Well, it's like, who says? You know, who said that it's happening for me? It seems like like there's a design, a plan that's designed just for me versus no, it's happening through me. And if I can focus on being uh, the vessel for that, then that changes everything. Like I like to think of myself sometimes as a hollow reed, you know, like a bamboo shoot. And it's funny, mm-hmm. the more I'm able to focus on just being that shoot of bamboo where I'm hollow and life is just flowing through me or the energy is flowing through me, it just makes such a difference in my day, man. And it's mm-hmm. it's easier said than done to stay in that space. But operating from that space, like nothing but good things can happen internally and who you are out in the world operating from that space of life is is going through me. So I love that you that you touched on that, man. Yeah. And it doesn't just happen, right? It takes it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a lot of practice. And that's why there's all these tools that, you know, are out there for us to use to keep coming back to presence. And if you're not, if you're not practicing and using the tools, then of course you're gonna get lost in your stories, you're gonna get lost in the negativity. I mean, there's so much fear and negativity out in the world that of course, if you're out there looking at it, it's going to have an effect on you. I think that's why it's, you know, I don't own a TV in my house and I I watch some Netflix at times on my laptop, but I try not to plug into all the fear and stuff because that has an effect on me. So distancing myself from that and practicing tools like meditation, like finding some time for stillness to come back into myself, to journal and process through my experience, to do, you know, move my body, feel my body correctly with the proper nutrition, like all of these things is what it takes to embody presence and to navigate the world feeling good within yourself. It doesn't just happen. It's not like, oh, one day I'm going to wake up and this thing. It's the people that are more most present in the world are the people that show up and do the work to earn that, you know, freedom really. And it comes back to faith too. Like the whole thing religion pushes is blind faith. Like don't like the, the biggest you know, challenger to any religion is the question, why? Like, why? Why? And so the the idea is blind faith. Like, well, it just is. You just got to trust in God and believe in God. And what I've come to realize is faith is not something that's just given. It's earned. Like, you have to earn your faith through experience and deep knowing and desire to, to know God in a profoundly personal, relational way. And in order to earn that, you have to continue to show up and practice and come back to presence and challenge the stories and ask, why do I feel this way? Why is this happening happening to me? And being able to uncover those deeper things. And then through experience, like every major transition I've gone through in my life, like there's been a lot of challenges, but it's led to who I've become, right? It's like, I look back on my life and every single thing that's happened has got me to where I'm at. So I wouldn't change it for the world because it's, Every single aspect is exactly how it was supposed to be. I've never heard anybody refer to it as earning your peace or earning your faith. And I'm definitely going to steal that from you, man, because I like that a lot. You know, um, it's almost as if when, when, and I've been guilty of this too, when you're going through something in life, you feel it's easy to go into victim mode. Why me? Why is this happening to me? Um, why am I feeling this way? Why am I not inspired? or feeling like doing any work today? You know, why am I not motivated? Versus that feeling of, I'm going to wake up and live peacefully and help others and take on the world. To your point, that's something that has to be earned. And I really love that you touched on that, man, because it does take work. Like you said, I mean, not only to put yourself in a space where you're at peace or where you're ready to let life flow through you, but protecting your energy. Like you said, Joe, that's a full-time job, man. Protecting your, Mm. like, if you're not on your P's and Q's, some some bullshit might just come and knock you off your, off your center because you weren't like, I am constantly protecting my energy and focused on what I'm allowing in 
you know, what I'm allowing out because that's part of it too. Um, but yeah, man, it's I, the more conscious I am of protecting my energy and keeping myself in a good place, nothing but good things happen. And then you see it rub off on the people around you too. That's another good thing yeah. about it. It's like people start to, that's the beautiful pick, part. yeah, they pick up on your frequency and you're like, ah, I see this person, you know, because I didn't go into the trap of engaging in whatever negativity they may have been absorbing. They're affected by that just because I'm being peace. I'm embodying peace. And that person's life is, is getting better just from being around me or watching my example, you know? Mm. And I think a lot of people too, they, they, they say, and I've gotten this a few times and I see people out there, it's like, oh, easy for you to say, easy for you to act like that because you're like this. And it's like, there's nothing easy about showing up each day and finding time to find stillness, to take care of my body, to question the stories. Like if I show up and something crazy happens or someone's like really, I don't know, angry at me or it's, you know, an example I keep coming back to is really easy because everybody can relate to this. If you're in the car, it's so funny that the difference between, you know, driving and someone cutting me off and then someone getting like just super pissed at that person, like, what the fuck? Why would they do that? They're, you know, and if someone cuts me off, like I, I can feel that emotion coming up within me to like judge them and like project my anger or whatever. Just like they, they came and did that to me personally and I could feel it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just let it go. And so it's like having the awareness of something coming up within you and being able to not attach to it and then move it quickly. That takes practice to be able to show up in the world in that way. And it's really a superpower, but it's, it is earned. It's not something that you just wake up like, oh, I'm just going to let life kind of just flush by because then that becomes spiritual bypassing. Cause then you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just going to act like I don't care about anything, but really internally, you're just so like, bound up and all the energy that's coming up within you. It's about having an awareness and self-awareness. And I was talking to a friend the other day about, he brought up this word metacognition because he's in college studying this stuff. And I was like, what's, what's metacognition exactly? And he's like, oh, it's thinking about thinking. And I was like, oh yeah, that's like the scientific word for self-awareness, right? And so many people are lost in their thoughts. Like they believe and attach that when I have a thought, that's who I am. And so they're constantly, and that's what, you know, we talk about like sleepwalking through life. Like you think your thoughts and to wake up and to finally have an awakening. And I think this is kind of like the spiritual journey is all of a sudden, you said this earlier when you had that, that mushroom experience where all of a sudden you were having that conversation, that, that debate with your, with your girlfriend at the time. And you're like thinking about what you're saying, like, wait, do I really believe this? And that's all of a sudden you had this space to become the observer of the thoughts, the thinking about thinking. And that's a layer deeper. And then all of a sudden, when you can create that initial space where you can see your thoughts going by, but not be the thoughts, then you can start being like, okay, where did this thought come from? Why do I believe this? Why is this coming up within myself? And then you can start, and this is why meditation, this is really what meditation is, is, is sitting on a mat or sitting and finding stillness and then just watching your thoughts go by. And as you watch your thoughts, you don't attach to them. Then you can start creating the thoughts that are for your good, that you want to interact with, that you want to become. And I think it's really beautiful, that initial awakening of becoming the observer of the thoughts. And that the cool thing is, like on the spiritual journey is, the observer of my thoughts is the same observer of your thoughts. Like the observer, that's what connects us all. We are all the consciousness, the awake part that is actually able to observe the experience that we're having. And that's the gift of being human. That's the aspect of the divine that is within all of us is the, you know, the ability to be the creator in creation and manifest the reality that we want to live on. But you have to show up and understand that you are not your thoughts. You have to create the distance between you and your thoughts in that space. And that's when everything changes.
Yeah. And something that I, that I really love about that created space is it changes your whole, like you said, you're able to kind of manifest what you want because you're being more intentional with everything that you do. And it only takes a second. It takes a second to like snap out of that space. And it takes a second to put yourself back into it. Um, I forgot where I heard this. I heard it on a podcast probably years ago and I've been teaching it ever since where a great way to think about observing your thoughts is to imagine yourself as if you're in a watchtower at the airport, kind of watching the planes come in and out, you know, and land and take off. And if you can imagine yourself observing your thoughts that way, you're able to be like, I don't really want to, you know, you can replace those thoughts with better thoughts. If you have some negative thoughts flying in, you don't necessarily have to react to it and get all frustrated and upset. You can say that thought's not serving me. I'm going to pluck that out of the air and replace that with a better thought. And um, yeah, man, I, I really like that you touched on that because it's, it's so important for people to learn. Um, and I, 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 I look at my younger self and the way I was going through life, not having that tool at my disposal and just being led by my thoughts, my emotions, and it can lead to some pretty sticky situations, man, if you're not careful. So, yeah. And that's a cool thing about being an athlete too. Cause I think every athlete has a, has a, a deeper connection and understanding initially of I can choose my thoughts because if you're in training camp and you're miserable and your body's sore and you're like, what am I doing out here? I don't want to be out here. This sucks. I'm tired. I don't want to go out here. Like this coach is making me do this and this and all these negative thoughts and you're going to have to be out there anyway. So you learn to talk to yourself in a more positive way. And if you don't, you're going to be pretty miserable. And it's like one of my coaches used to say like, fake it till you make it. And I love that because if I'm out there and I'm acting like positive, like I want to be out there and eventually it starts becoming who I am. And I think it's the energy bus is this book, but this guy came and talked to us, John Gordon. And he said, and this is really beautiful. This is before I was doing all this deep work and had a, had this deep of an understanding of it. But this is like the initial thing, like don't listen to yourself, talk to yourself. And that's what we're talking about here. Like if you're listening to your thoughts, like there's, we have 80,000 thoughts a day and the majority of those thoughts are negative. And so if we're just listening to those thoughts, then we're going to not really have any choice in how we respond. But if we start talking to ourselves, if we start creating the thoughts that we want to live, if a negative thought comes in, be like, no, I want to choose a positive thought here. That's where it kind of starts but it takes you, that's the work, right? And you have to constantly show up and question every time a negative thought comes up. Why is this coming up? Why is this coming up? I'm going to choose a positive thought. I'm going to choose to see this situation in a different way. You said energy bus, right? By John Gordon. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out, man. I haven't read that, but I've recently just started getting into John Gordon. And right now I'm reading, uh, what is it? Chop wood, carry water. Mm. And I started reading that because back to what I was saying earlier, as I'm in this space of, trying to figure out my next frontier or how I'm going to expand what I'm doing or even jump into a totally new space, I started getting some coaching because I realized, you know, I can't do it all on my own, you know, and every coach needs a coach, right? So I started getting coaching from this guy, uh, Graham Betchart. He's worked with Aaron Gordon. He's worked with the Utah Jazz. And that's one of the first books he had me read. Um, And I'm reading it right now, Chop Wood, Carry Water by John Gordon. And he said, the reason I want you to read this is because what you're doing, especially as an athlete, especially as, you know, uh, a go-getter, a type A personality, you just want to have it all figured out. So you're sitting there banging your head against the wall, basically saying like, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? Instead of taking it back a little bit and just chopping wood and carrying water and doing what you know to do, just doing what's right in front of you. And through that work, through continuing to do that, the path will reveal itself. So mm. I'm definitely going to check out Energy Bus. I don't think it's a coincidence that I just started reading the John Gordon book. He brought that up. 
that's the universe telling me I need to I need to check it out. And when I read it, I'm gonna let you know, man. So thank you, Joe. Yeah, Appreciate cool. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny how the universe, if we're open to the experience of life, to how the universe speaks through others to us, right? Mm-hmm. It's another another a way that we are all deeply connected is if you can view reality and navigate your day with presence, then you can see these synchronicities and these signs happen almost magically. And it's really beautiful to experience that, but you can't be lost in your thoughts in order to do that. You have to be open to what the experience is. Um, Okay. I'd love to get your perspective. We've gotten really deep into this, which I really love. Um, But a question I like to ask all my guests is, like, what's the purpose? What's the point? Like, why, why, you know, the creator, source, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it, that is allowing us to have this experience. Why was it created? Like, why are we here? What's, what's the whole point of, of getting lost in our stories and being able to question them and then all of a sudden waking up and then creating the life that we want to live? Like what, in your perspective, what's the whole point? Right. And I want to be clear that it's just my perspective because obviously none of us have any idea Stay clear we don't know. People. Yeah, stay clear from anyone who says they have all the answers. Um, I have no idea. In my opinion, I think it's to learn, right? And I could speculate mm-hmm. and come up with, you know, well, I think we're here to learn in this realm or on this plane so we can go to the next plane. I don't know about any of that. But what I do know is that every time I, I come from that place of what's the point of it all, right? Because when you're asking these big questions, sometimes you can go into that, that slippery slope of, well, if it's all empty and meaningless, then what's the point? Right. But then I always come back to, well, let's say it is empty and meaningless. What that means by default is that I can create my own meaning. Um, Mm. What that means by default is that I can create my own purpose. And then it becomes fun because whatever comes next is not important. It just becomes, well, you almost become like a player in a video game, like a creative player. And, you know, okay, you just wake up one day or every single day for that matter, as long as we're here, you wake up out of bed in the morning and you're like, well, here I am in this body. You know, um, here I am with all the experience and lessons and connections I've had over the years. Let me just see what I can create with this. Let's have some fun with this today. You know, so I, I think the purpose is what it comes down to is just whatever we make it. Um, and the more people can focus on that instead of being like, what does it all mean? Which I have been guilty of in the past. What does it mean? Why am I here? Instead of being like, what can I create today? Um, mm. That changes everything. So that's the best way I could sum it up while also still acknowledging I have no clue. <laughs> No, that's beautiful, man. Because, you know, in in some of my deeper psychedelic journeys, I've touched the place, like the void, the infinite potential, the the place of understanding that it is all meaningless. Like there, there is no point to it all. And it's kind of in that space, there's two sides of that. Like it, it creates this total freedom of like, okay, there's no point. But at the same time, it's kind of depressing. It's like, well, it's all meaningless. And like having to to sit in that and navigate that. And I think on my own journey of, of reaching, you know, I'm writing my book right now and it's called Finding Freedom. And I started writing it like a year and a half ago. And it's crazy how much I've grown and the book has changed me just through the process of writing it and understanding like, why did I even want to call it Finding Freedom? And it's because I was this, on this journey of finding out who I was, but I kept reaching higher and higher levels. And I get to this point of, wow, total freedom is really understanding that there, there is no point. And that although it, it equals freedom, it also, you have to navigate with the other side of the same coin of like, well, how do I deal with this? And then that's where the choice is created of, okay, I can just sit here and wallow in the fact that there's no point in all of it, 
or I can lean towards the fact that I am, I have the be ability through this experience that I'm living to create the life that I want. And I have the freedom to do so. And that is a beautiful place to be, but it is such a fine line to understand that. And like, we are like the whole point is to be the creator of the experience that we're having. And, you know, going on this journey, I think you, it's so funny because I'm, I talk to a lot of uh, people, like the wisest guys I know, wisest people I know, they come, they've all gone on these like deep spiritual journeys and they've gone and sought truth and gone on all these different paths. And they all come back and they say, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> and like, that's the wisest thing anybody can say. And you, but you, the crazy paradox of it all is you have to go on the journey to go seek the truth, to understand that there is no answer. And that allows you to sit in the awe and the wonder of the experience rather than trying to figure out. And that's why I love this podcast because I've come to a point where I love hearing other people's experiences and I love talking about what it all means and why are we here. But there can really be no answer because if there was an answer, then there would be an end to the game, the end to the experience. And that's not really what infinity is and eternity is, right? So there has to be the ability to question everything without ever coming to an answer which is like why everything's such a paradoxical nature kind of folding in on itself. Like we have the ability to explore what we are, but we don't have any ability to figure out what we are. Right. And like sitting in that, that juxtaposition is like the beauty of the experience and what creates the reality that we live. Yeah. I don't know. And I'm okay with not knowing like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's the part that I really had to come to grips with. And then, um, you mentioned something about like a, uh, of fear, right? Because I was telling you before we started rolling, uh, I'm still recovering from my DMT trip. You know, I'm still traumatized. I'm just kidding. I'm I'm just being silly, by the way. But I'm still trying to process what I experience, and the more I try to process it, the simpler it becomes. You know, mm. because what I experienced was, um, and I felt like I didn't. I think I had too much expectations for what it would be like. You know. You know, I listen to Joe Rogan, as I'm sure you do too. And he talks about, you know, he, uh, a bunch of jesters being around him or like a bunch of elves and stuff. So I'm thinking I'm just going to, you know, take a puff of this stuff and I'm going to go into this realm where I'm seeing all these visualizations. It was, it was nothing like anything I could have ever imagined. Um, I don't think I was prepared for it at all. And I watched my, I was there with my girlfriend and she did it first. Right. Um, and we, we had a, a shaman and when, sometimes we say shaman, you know, people think, there's a guy with the headdress on and a bunch of feathers on him. Like it was just a, just a cool guy, regular guy, very friendly guy. Someone like a facilitator I like is like someone who's like for you through this experience. Because, you know, when you do explore consciousness, it's not, it's not something to do, be cavalier about, right? It's about, you know, being around people that can actually guide you and help you integrate those experiences, which is really important. Like I'd like to say anybody that's listening to this, even in like a simple mushroom ceremony, like you can get so much more power and impact out of the experience if you do it with intention and you do it with proper facilitation. Because what I've learned is doing some deeper medicine work is if there's, if it's not a proper safe container, you can really, you know, get lost in, you know, consciousness, infinite potential. And it can be very overwhelming and being able to integrate those experiences back into this reality is very important to actually get the lessons from them. Um, so that's great that you did that with proper facilitation. Um, so continue to talk a little bit more about the experience and what you, uh, what you learned from it. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to replace the word shaman with facilitator right now. I like that. I feel like it kind of, you know, lets the guard down. A little more accessible bit. to people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, man, I'm really glad that I did have a facilitator, that we had a facilitator there because there was a complete loss of control and a complete, I, I don't mean, um, I had to completely surrender. And mm-hmm. that's why I said I wasn't prepared for it. Because whether it's, you know, when you're drunk, yeah, you're, you're still a little, you're still there. When you, when you drink, when you smoke weed, even when I do shrooms, I could be on a crazy shroom trip but I'm still in control. There's still a level of, yes, I'm having this uh, transformational experience, but I'm fully in control. Like if something it's happened right now, yeah, there, right? exactly. If something, even on the deepest room trip where I'm seeing, you know, the room is, is vibrating and everything. I know if something were to happen in that moment, like, you know, if an emergency happened, I could like pull it together and be in control. DMT, absolutely not. And that was the part that terrified me. So what I was, what I was saying earlier is I watched my girlfriend do it first. and obviously you know, women have, I don't want to speak in general terms, but generally women have an easier time just kind of being and being free and flowing through life and releasing without being so, I got to control, I got to do this, right? So my girlfriend did it and just had an experience of pure bliss. She's laying there on the floor, she's laughing. She's, you know, oh, this this feels so great. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to do this. this. This looks awesome, right? She pops up, she's like, wow, she's crying. She's so happy. And I'm like, hurry up, get out the way. I didn't, I didn't really say this, but I'm thinking this, like, move so I could, so I could do mine, right? And I had no idea what I was in for. So, you know, I take my first, my first puff, and I probably didn't take a big enough um, hit the first time. But what happened was I kind of laid there, and things started vibrating a little bit. But then I just felt this overwhelming sense of love, right? So this was the good part before it turned on me. I'll get to that in a second. So I stand up, which apparently, you know, you're really supposed to lay there, but I didn't know that. You know, I'm an active guy. So I stand up and I'm looking around the room and I just felt this overwhelming sense of like, we're here. I just kept saying, we're here, we're here. And I'm looking at everybody. I'm looking at the facilitator and his wife. I'm looking at my, my girlfriend. I just felt so overjoyed. And I, I started crying. And I was like, we're here, we're here. And I just started hugging everyone. Everyone's crying. It's great. And then the facilitator's like, I think you can go deeper. And I'm like, I like your style. So I lay back down. <laughs> and this is where it got crazy. He was like, um, he was like, hold it forever. And I'm hearing him say that. <laughs> so I took a hit, I blow it out my nose, take another one, blow it out my nose, and I take this last one. Man, I'm getting my, my armpits are sweating while I'm describing this right now. Um, and he's just, and I lay back and he's just like, hold it forever. And he starts playing music and I'm drifting off into the music. And then I just hear this like, wow, like this vibration. And I felt myself almost as if I was being like, absorbed like sucked into something and now i i i I recognize not that i know but i can identify that something that i was being sucked into as eternity um Mm. and there was some resistance at first it was almost like being on a rocket ship like wait no 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 but then once i let go i was like wow i'm here i'm here you know Mm. and i've i've literally had this uh experience of my consciousness I was somewhat aware that my body was still laying on the floor, but my consciousness was traveling through space and time. Um, and then I had the epiphany that like, I didn't exist. I, I almost saw myself not visually, but I felt the experience that I had died and released, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and it was very freeing and I was laughing and then terror set in because I thought I had pushed it too far and I thought I actually died. And then I started thinking like, wow. And I started saying like, I pushed it. I pushed it. I thought I like pushed my experience too far to where, you know, come on, Taj, you're doing all these, you know, experiment, <laughs> you're experimenting with different things. Yes, you're trying to expand your consciousness, but you might have pushed it this time. And I thought, wow, I died. I just came out with the book. Like, 
is this how my story is? Like the guy writes a book and then dies doing drugs. <laughs> um, but, you know, eventually they calmed me down and I was able to kind of go back into it. And then I came back to that place of just overwhelming gratitude again, man. Like just the fact that I was grateful that I, I had a body, you know, I was able to like be back in control. Mm. Like, okay, I can sit mm. down and I can relax. I'm, I'm not traveling through space and time anymore. And um, like I said, Joe, I'm still trying to process the experience. But every time, the, the cool thing about it is that I feel like I can tap back into that at random times. Like I'll be sitting at my desk mm-hmm. doing some work and I'll take a moment and I'll close my eyes and I'll go back to that, that space of inter- eternity. And like a little smile will come over my face, you know? And that goes back to like, wow, I'm literally, none of this really matters. I don't actually really exist but in a good way. You know, and it brings this, this peace to me. So, mm. man, my palms yeah. are sweating. I'm getting sweaty over here, Joe. I was going back, man. You're taking me back. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for sharing that, brother. I really appreciate you. Because I've, I've had very similar experiences through some of my psychedelics. I've, you know, done 5-MeO-DMT, which is very similar. Like you, I mean, what it does is it shuts down the default mode network, which is where the ego resides. It's the story of who we are in relation to other, right? That's what the ego is. And ego is just a construct, like I talked about earlier, the story of who we think we are, the, the I that is Joe. And so these DMT, what it does is it shuts that down. And so the awareness that is everything, the observer that I was talking about is the same in you and the same as me. I mean, and that's really what God is, right? And people talk about, oh, I had this experience of like going back up into source and like rocket shipping into the awareness of everything. And that is a form of, of ego death, right? That's when people talk about like an ego death. And that's what we were talking about earlier with the transition of sports. Like that's an aspect of your ego that is dying, which is really challenging to figure out. But when your complete story and sense of self dissolves, but there's still an awareness that you are alive, I mean, that's such a deep, profound experience because for me, experiencing that, like in my 5-MeO-DMT experience, I no longer have a fear of death because I know that there is, and I can't really comprehend it now, like, but I have an knowing and an experience of when Joe is dead, there is something that goes on, something out there that is creating this whole experience. And it's beautiful that you brought this up because it, it kind of leads me into my last question of like, what you, what do you think happens when we die? Like the physical form actually perishes. What, like, is it, is that what happens? What do you, what do you believe goes on after death? Yeah. Uh, once again, I have no idea. And I, I want to <laughs> get to that in a second, but I, I just want to touch on something you said about the ego being dissolved through, through DMT mm-hmm. and not having a fear of death because that pretty much sums it up, man. You know, um, that that's exactly what I experienced. Like through shrooms, I get the experience of, of I'm connected to everything. But like you said, there's still the I. I am connected to everything on this in this universe, and I'm connected to everyone and everything. And then, like you said, the, it, when I did the DMT trip, it completely dissolved my ego to where how could I be afraid? And I would go through life before, like oh, I'm not afraid to die. You know, it sounds like something a tough guy would say. But mm. I thought I had that mentality until I actually experienced it. Like now that I have kind of died in a way, I'm more alive. And, and that's one of the most mm. beautiful things about it. Um, yeah, there's a spiritual saying that until you can die while you're alive, then you will never truly live. Right. And what they're saying is until you can kill the ego and experience what that's like and understand that it's just a story. I mean, we need the ego, the experience of separation. Like I, Joe, needs to have... an 
an idea of itself in order to have an experience. But once you transcend that and you come back into the experience, you have a new deep sense of gratitude for even having an experience. You're like, <laughs> wow, I'm grateful that I'm even here. Wow. Right. Yeah. Wow. I just kept saying wow over and over again. Like, <laughs> wow, I'm here. Like it's, it's, um, yeah, man. So what happens when we die? I think I would imagine it would be something like the DMT experience, just more, I mean, cause it's pretty intense for being real about it. Uh, more peaceful. Cause it's like, I mean, we don't know when we're going to die. You know, I hope when I hope I die as an old man in my sleep, like that would be a great way to go. You just go to bed one night uh, and don't wake up as an old man. I don't want to die any other way. I don't want to be sick or anything like that. But I imagine it would be kind of like you just sort of drift off and release. Um, and what happens after that? I don't know, man. I have a hard time thinking that it just ends right there. You know, I remember being a kid, like probably like seven or eight years old when you sort of have the realization like, oh, wow, I'm actually going to die. With that. Like, that's kind of crazy. And I imagined it being like in a dark room where you can't see, you can't hear. Um, but that would, there's still some level of consciousness there. So there's no way that could be like that because that would be torture. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I had the same thing when I was younger. It's like, what, what happens when you die? And I'm like, was it just blackness? But then there would still be the experience of I experiencing blackness. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's kind of like, I think the energy has to go somewhere. I don't know if it's, I'm not going to say I don't believe in reincarnation. I just don't know. I just feel like it has to be because whatever that thing is that's still there, that consciousness, when the ego dissolves, it's not like it goes anywhere once the physical body's no longer here. So I'm curious to know where that goes, you know, where, what, where the energy goes into. But um, yeah, man, I think it just, it's, it's turned into something else. And I do think it is linked, you know, this kind of ties into the concept of karma. I think wherever your consciousness or your energy goes is based off of what it is that you were doing while you were here in this experience. So, you know, maybe you go into a different place to learn more lessons, depending on what you learned in the, in the past time. But then again, there's, there's really no concept of time anyway. So I have no idea, man. All I know is I'm not afraid of it anymore. And, and that's a beautiful thing to be able to say, you know. You Absolutely. Know? It's so beautiful. And I think it's the idea of, you know, what what psychedelics has has taught me is this idea of surrender and being able to surrender into an experience like that. Like if you're holding on to the story of who you are and you're not able to surrender, then you're not going to actually have that experience of transcending the ego, you know, and that's, it, it's very frightening. It, it challenges you in a lot of ways, but when you're able to surrender, you can bring that lesson into your, into your life. And that's when something challenging happens, you know, like this whole global pandemic is like facing a lot of people with the the aspect of the unknown, like what's going to happen. And that's when you have to surrender into the present moment. I think when we learn and we look at death, that's the ultimate in this experience of life. That is the ultimate act of surrender and the ultimate act of surrendering into the unknown because we don't know what's going to happen. And when you are presented with this, this experience of dying and you're going to die, can you have peace and the ability to surrender into whatever that experience is? And I think it's the, the Zen Buddhists are, there's some Eastern philosophy where they, they spend their entire lives training for the moment of death because they believe that if you can surrender into the experience of dying without any fear, without any of these negative emotions around what it is, but with peace, love, and joy, then you can transcend the act of 
death and rebirth where you don't have, you can basically transcend having to come back and do it again. And so they believe that you're, con- you're, you're literally training your entire life. That's why they meditate for eight hours a day. Cause they're constantly like in that state of presence. And there's a really good book called in love with the world where there's this, this, this Buddhist monk that actually is in this, uh, he like grew up in a monastery and he was kind of like monk royalty and he was training and doing all these practices to be very present, but he never actually was challenged by the world. And so what he did is he did this, this retreat that he basically ran away from the, the monastery to go experience life as, as like a, as like a, like a homeless person, like someone without anything. He wanted to renunciate everything and experience life fully without it. And that challenged him to bring all of these practices he had into reality. And there's this part of the story where he's like on the train with no money and he's surrounded by all these other people. And he's like, it just smells and it's gross. He's like, what am I doing? And that's when he's like, okay, this is where I trained for. And so he like had to use these practices interacting with reality. It's the first time his entire life he'd been training so much, but actually had to be confronted with what reality, like the suffering of reality. And he gets to a point where he actually is confronted with his own death. And he's like, this is what I trained for. And he talks about the experience of surrendering into that. And he actually like left his body kind of similar to the DMT experience you're talking about. And he ended up like waking up in a hospital and someone ended up getting him into a hospital and ended up saving his life. But he, I mean, that's what it was, right? Like when you're confronted with your death, are you going to be able to surrender into it? And I think when we have that experience and we're able to bring those lessons into our life and every day is being able to surrender into the moment, then we can actually live a more full life because it's not from a place of fear of what's going to happen, but surrendering to each moment and what wants to be presented to us. Mm. Mars, man, you can go ahead and drop the mic on that one, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I got that, man. I don't even need to put my two cents in that one. I'm I'm just excited to listen to that back when I listen to this episode, man. man. Man, I really appreciate you coming on and have a conversation and, and being open and vulnerable about some of your experiences. And I'm really, you know, grateful that we've connected and, you know, we have similar missions in, in this life, in this present moment of really helping guys transition out of professional sports or athletics in general. And I know you're doing really great work. Um, go ahead and plug yourself where people can find you if they want to get connected with you. I know you're coming out with a book and you have a coaching program. So uh, direct people where to uh, to get involved in all that. Absolutely, man. Well, Joe, first of all, thank you for having me, man. This has been an awesome conversation. Shout out to uh, Quentin Williams, Coach Q, for uh, connecting us way back when. And uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm Taj Deshaun. I mean, I know the spelling will be on the episode. T A J D A S H A U N. Taj Deshaun across all social media platforms. Um, more so active on LinkedIn and Instagram and Clubhouse. You know, follow your boy in Clubhouse. Um, and then we should do a Clubhouse at some point. We should, man. I would love to. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And Sorry, then, go ahead. Uh, yeah, TajDeshaun.com. All links to my social media are on there. The book is available at ThriveAfterSportsBook.com. I have a podcast, uh, Thrive After Sports, which is available on all podcast platforms. It's me giving a lot of information just to those transitioning athletes. It's me interviewing great people like Joe who work with athletes. Um, Joe's ep- your episode is number 84. So if you want to hear Joe getting interviewed about everything he's doing with the Heart Collective, Check out Thrive After Sports, episode 84. And uh, yeah, man, that's where you can find me. Appreciate it, brother. And all that will be in the show notes for you guys. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you uh, leave a review, rate it, share it with your friends. If you think anybody that might uh, get some value or, or it might impact them, go ahead and share it. Really appreciate the support and I really appreciate you, Taj. And we'll, we'll do it again sometime soon, man. Sounds good, Joe. Thank you, brother. 
All right. Huge thank you to Taj for taking the time to come on. That was really an amazing conversation. I'm really stoked. Uh, I'm really grateful for him, his vulnerability, the way he opened up and shared some of his personal experiences. Um, Yeah, we all have a story. We all have a story. Every single person has a very profoundly unique story. And it's all about just being curious, being curious about what other person's story they're living and maybe helping them navigate through that story to come out on the other side, wiser, brighter, lighter. That's what it's all about. Um, Everything he talked about to find him is in the show notes. So check him out, reach out to him. Uh, He's an amazing man. His book's coming out, go support him. Um, And yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review, rate it, share it with your friends. Um, Goes a long way into helping me grow this thing. I appreciate all your support, all your love. I would love to hear from you. Follow my newsletter, send me an email and I will get back to you. So much love, everyone. Till next time, peace.